Hi there, we are Felipe and Rafael, and you are listening to TechSource. In this podcast, we will mostly talk about software, hardware, and multimedia, included but not limited to cameras, sensors, editing workflows, photography, and etc. In today's episode, we will be talking about the Apple M1 Mac. Released in November 2020, the M1 Mac marked a major shift in Apple's computer line as it introduced the company's in-house designed M1 chip, replacing the Intel chips that have been used in Macs for years. This new chip got a lot of attention and praise for its impressive performance and efficiency, making it a hot topic in the tech world. We will dive into the details of the M1 Mac, discussing its features, performance, and how it compares to other computers on the market. All right, I'm ready to start Felipe talking about the Mac M1. I got a Mac Studio and I'm, I must say, I'm impressed. This thing is silent and this thing is fast. But war, from which computer you came from? I came, I came from the Intel uh, 16-inch MacBook Pro. From which and year was it? 2019? 2018, I believe. 18. Okay, so it's not the one that was running really hot and keeping the fans on all the time. Yeah, it, it had a Core i5 processor. Oh, I had the 2019 Core i9 processor with everything max at... I honestly will tell you that was the worst MacBook Pro that I have ever had. It was the most powerful at that time, but also super loud and the battery wouldn't last almost anything because that 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 processor was running hot. Yeah. And it's interesting to observe because it started with the iPads, right? If I'm not wrong, Apple first introduced the M1 chip in the iPads and then it well, moved. not the M1. Uh, the, the M1 is... Was it on a MacBook a, Air? The, the M1 is a... It's based on the A-series chip. It's based on the, if I'm not mistaken, the A14. Uh, actually, A12Z or something like that. That was the first uh, processor that ran macOS. That was the processor that was on the iPad 2018. Uh, and that they put it on a Mac Mini on the developer transition kit. Uh, and uh, and then the first Mac that came out with the M1 was the Mac Mini and the MacBook Pro. Yeah. So what are what are the main differences aside of like it's a new chip? How it compares? Because there is also something related to energy efficiency and the way that benchmarks are done. So in order to compare... Uh, pun not intended. In order to compare apples with apples, you need you need to compare the whole set of instructions an end user would do, not just numbers from a benchmark, right? Because there's the whole OS and the the management and the energy settings it does to optimize things. Because the clock is not as fast as an Intel processor, but it it ends up processing things faster, right? Is that the case? Yeah, that's totally the case. I'm not the best person to explain the difference between x86 and ARM, but basically there is a, a complex set of instructions and a simple set of insta instructions where ARM uses the simple set of instructions that um, 
there, there is a video from a Brazilian guy that explains so well uh, the difference between those two architectures, but basically it takes a lot more cycles for an x86 in, uh, processor to, to do simple tasks than it takes for an ARM processor to do the same tasks or even more complicated ones. Yeah, and what called my attention is basically the noise because it is silent most of the time. I got the, the Mac Studio, the M1 uh, Max, Mac Studio, and it's super silent and fast, especially with the new OS. So how do I know if, because there is the Rosetta, right? The, the, the integration that they make to be able to run uh, apps from previous architectures. So how do I know if an app is optimized for, for the M1 Mac or not? Because Apple made it so great because people don't realize the paradigm shift of using a, a different set of instructions, instructions on a CPU. So it made it so easy for people to migrate to one another. If you realize that, if you put that into the 80s or the 90s, for example, it would require a completely different architecture with different apps, with different UIs, with different everything. So today we just go to web, a website to download a product and we install. And how do we know if it is running M1 or Intel? Well, the very first time that you try to install an Intel application on your Apple Silicon Mac, it's going to prompt you to install Rosetta and only in that instance, that very first time. So that's how you know that at least that application uses Intel instructions. Later on, since it's not, not going to prompt you for installing Rosetta anymore, the way for you to know is by opening Activity Monitor and on Activity Monitor under the CPU um, section, there is a, a section for... Um, Oh, I'm on an Intel Mac right now, so I can't even remember exactly which column it is. But is it architecture maybe, or is it CPU? Mm -hmm. No, uh, you are on a on mm -hmm. Apple Silicon right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what's the column that's there? Architecture. And normally, and normally you can sort by that, so you can have all your Intel you can see applications you, uh, appear on the top. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's that's a concern. Like I don't want to buy spend money on an M1 Mac to run architectures that are not optimized for it. And speaking about optimization, Apple also came with a programming language called Swift. And how does do you know how does Swift pairs with the with the M1 with the M because now there is the M2, right? So how how does well, it pair with that architecture? Swift Swift is it, Swift first of all is has been made with two things in mind. The very first one of, of them is to be a easily readable and writable uh, language. So it's easy for people to learn and use and debug and, and create applications. Uh, it's a new language. It's It's been around for only eight years now. Uh, and so it's been evolving the, all this time in these past years. And it's an open source language as well. The main company developing that being Apple, of course. Um, and the second part of Swift is it has a lot of automatic things in terms of uh, uh, dealing with memory and with CPU clocks and being efficient in, in, in the end of the day. So Swift was made with the intention for, of being simple and efficient. And that goes hand in hand with where Apple is going with Apple Silicon and so on. 
Yeah, which makes a big difference because I remember like almost a decade ago when I started learning how to code mobile apps, it was mostly in Objective-C, which is not the most straightforward language at the beginning, right? I wish there was yeah, like... I tried, to, I tried to learn. I mean, I, I never liked programming before. I tried to learn Objective-C and honestly, it was it's like... It's hard. Oh, man, it's, a, it's a deep language, like very low level. You You can manipulate lots of things with it uh it's it's a low level language so now i can tell you that learning swift is being very different for me uh i'm 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 starting with swift playgrounds there are a lot of exercise books there uh and it's and it's actually fun to be honest it's like a puzzle and i think programming in general is like a puzzle right but this one at least it introduces you to the language in a fun way yeah yeah the puzzles the puzzles are awesome so do you have an idea, any idea why the the M1 Macs, they, they don't get that hot as Intel Macs do? Because I remember when I was doing a show once on Twitch and I was running from my MacBook Pro, Intel-based, and I opened OBS and the, and the noise of the fans, like, it getting the show, even with the noise canceling and everything, like, it was like an Airbus jet engine about to take off. And the M1 is simply silent, and it doesn't hit. It's it's such a good optimization that yeah, um, I mean they they draw a lot less power too. So uh -huh. get get an Intel laptop. Um, they were uh, th those processors. They were running at I don't know sixty to eighty watts just a processor, uh, and then. With overhead and so on, you needed to have a power brick that was 100 watts. And now you get, for example, the M1 Max. I have a 2000, uh, a 14 inch M1 Max with 32 core GPU, 64 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, and this computer, when it's working really hard, is reaching 40 watts. When it's like day-to-day -day tasks and uh, editing and, and so on is like running 10, 15 watts. That's absurd. That's really absurd. Now, there is, of course, uh, one of the reasons being the 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 resistor size. Resistor, no, hey, it's the resistor size, right? That is, I think, 5 nanometers in this mm -hmm. M1 uh, laptops. And... Yeah, optimize, optimization. Optimization, again. yeah. For yeah, mobile. instead of running everything on CPU or GPU, there are efficient cores meant, for example, for the media engine, meant for encoding, meant for decoding. That's that they were made exactly for doing that one task, and this is gonna use a lot less energy because they are really optimized for that one task. Yeah, and because it uses less energy, it optimizes the the battery life. Battery lasts longer both in charge and both in their life, right? So Right. I'm trying to look here for what is the the size of the resistors because I said 5 nanometers uh and I think I'm right, but I just want to want to make sure that I I'm saying it correctly. Mhm. Mm yeah. And I think it also has a Thunderbolt controller that supports um TB4 with up to 40 gigabits per second of transfer speeds. And there's something in the chip that optimizes for that. 
And it's this Thunderbolt thing is interesting because people people take them for granted. And they say, ah, one, two, three, four Thunderbolt ports. But they, they have no idea the efforts that are made to put these little ports with these extremely high throughput. And the thing is, all of these have to communicate with other parts of the computer. You, this is an I.O. port that has to go through a CPU to get somewhere else that goes needs to go to needs to use memory and things like that. And what Apple has done there as well is they made the architecture inside within the motherboard a lot more efficient. That you're actually not uh, taking as much time and as much bandwidth and as much effort power effort to move bits around uh, get for example the unified memory the unified memory allows you to not need to copy things from one memory to another memory for example you're doing something with the gpu you have your gpu memory and then you need to be copying back and forth between the gpu memory and the computer's ram um, to to get things to happen and you get that for any type of processing that that's happening within the computer and once you have the unified memory every everything within the computer is referencing the the same bit of data that is on that memory so you're not needing to move this thing around anymore and suddenly everything feels so much faster and then i just confirmed here yeah it's a five nanometer five, process yeah 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 and it also comes with something called the secure enclave for better security oh yeah that that comes from the iphone 5 yeah. The iPhone 5 was the first one that introduced that with Touch ID. Yeah, which remembers and me a new feature that iOS released lately, which is the enhanced encryption. Advanced data protection. Enha data protection, yeah. So, because reality is you cannot rely on a third-party silicon provider when it wants to take security very seriously, right? And I think Apple is doing the right thing on this, on, on, on having control over the silicon, because that's the only way you can guarantee that, I mean, not guarantee, but be in a better state regarding, you know, backdoors or, or things like that on the, on the chipset level. And the other thing that improved a lot with the Apple Silicon is due to the secure enclave, they are able to move, basically create a specific place in the chip where uh, data encryption happens. So for your SSD, you can use file vault and everything is gonna be encrypted there and you're never gonna feel a single bit of difference in performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I compare the PC world with the Mac world and I see these Alienware laptops, I have one to, to play, Rocket League, and the power brick is something very hot and very heavy. And NVIDIA with the and new big, like right? RTX 4000 whatever series cards, they're, big, they're getting bigger, hotter, and they're requiring more powerful. And Apple seems to, to be going on the opposite direction, which I think it's way more interesting because I remember once I, I have a carpet in my living room and I also have one of these beanbags to sit on top of, right? And I remember when I was playing once and my... Char my brick charger of my Alienware laptop was between, it was in the middle, like a sandwich, between my carpet and the beanbag. And the thing was almost on fire. Like, I couldn't touch. To give you an idea, I live in New York. It's extremely cold in the winter outside. I had to put the power brick outside, like in the snow, to make it colder. 
because I was afraid the thing going out of control because I could I could not even touch the power brick. I had to get it by the cable. So when you compare something like that just to run a game and a computer that is silent in a way that there is not even a fan, if you get the Mac Mini, right? And it processes things like accordingly, not high-end 400 hertz or 400 FPS gaming and things like that, but a satisfactory level of video rendering and etc. you realize that you're doing the right thing. <laughs> I, I, I think a part of the fault on that, let's say, let's talk a little bit about gaming and computing. Uh, I think a little bit of the fault on that is in two, in two sides here. One of them is NVIDIA. NVIDIA and the other side is gaming houses in general. Because gaming houses want their games to run in as many platforms as possible, get PlayStation, Xbox, and the Switch, and the PC, and maybe one day the Mac as well, they need to write code that's going to allow them to write that code as few times as possible and transfer to all the platforms. The problem with that is that it's never efficient. It's not as efficient as it would be if you write native code for a specific platform. So once you have code that is not native and is not efficient, what do you need? You need something that is very powerful, very powerful in terms of energy and processing to be able to run that code fast, right? To, to give you frames per second on that game and good quality. So then comes NVIDIA and NVIDIA says, no problem. I keep on making cards that are bigger and bigger using more and more power. So if your code needs more power, here it is more power. Here's the RTX 4090. That's gonna, I mean, it's gonna, you're gonna take a, a little nuclear power, power plant to <laughs> run that, that, that damn GPU. So there it is. There, there, there is a side that's creating a problem. There is a side that is fixing the problem at the expense of us needing to use more and more energy that is more and more expensive every day. And Apple, on the other hand, is trying and pushing things to be more and more efficient with better and better code that's going to use less power and your, your, your thermal envelope be smaller. So... I prefer the Apple side on this, mainly because we know that it's possible to run a game with very good quality on a Mac once it is properly done and efficient. And right now with Ventura and so on, we have Metal FX and uh, we have Metal 3 on it. And you know what? I, I bought Resident Evil uh, for the Mac and dude, the quality, and you turn on in HDR, and put it on your MacBook Pro. And it's just so impressive. So it's totally possible to create games that are efficient, good looking, and don't use a lot of power. And I'm all in for all of that. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with all that. So, yeah, I think, I think if you, is there a reason to buy an Intel processor Mac nowadays? Because when I bought the Mac Studio, I saw that they still sell the Mac Studio with Intel processor. Is there a reason to buy that? Like, Yeah, well, <laughs> so I have a Mac Pro, a 2019 Mac Pro, a 16-core Xeon with, at the moment, has only 64 gigabytes of RAM. It has 16 terabytes of internal NVMe storage. Uh, 
and I have two GPUs on it. It's super silent. It's a very silent computer. This computer does not make any sound at all. I could be, put this microphone next to it and you would not hear it. Um, but it has a power supply of 1.4 kilowatts. Uh, putting my 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 foot behind the, the computer, you need a I nuclear can feel the hot power air. plant in your backyard, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and if I just switch on the computer, if I look at it right now, I have Zoom open, Safari, Notes, and that's it. My computer is currently consuming almost three hundred watts. Wow. Almost three hundred watts of of doing just this. And if I would be on my MacBook Pro, this would be 30 watts. It would be 10 times less. So there is a reason to have still Intel computers. For example, anyone working in some professional area that has applications that take long to update, that is one reason. Another reason is, for example, I need to work with a lot of media a lot of, that requires a lot of storage and I need fast storage. It's easy for me to have 16 32 terabytes of, of internal NVMe storage that's going to be very fast, like 5,000 megabytes a second read and write. So yeah. those are some reasons. For example, also this computer, very, it, it, it prob I probably will never get rid of it unless I'm really, really concerned about energy. But for example, I can put 1.5 terabytes of RAM on this Mac Pro. I can run a lot of virtual machines on it. Mm -hmm. So this computer could still make me a lot of money. Yeah, and the reason you're saying that is because on the M1 architecture, everything is soldered into the motherboard, yeah. right? So the upgradeability... You have to decide as soon as you're buying what you yeah. want. Yeah. And it's still, it, you still don't have as much possibility of RAM. So for example, with the Mac Studio M1 Ultra, you, you can have 128 gigabytes of RAM, which for most people in most industries, that's way, way more than they need. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have the MacBook Pro with 64 gigabytes is the same amount that my Mac Pro has. And it's great. I never, yeah. ever felt that I needed more. Yeah. But again, with, with the Mac Pro, I still can go for, to 1.5 terabytes. Yeah. And you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned the power consumption of 300 watts. And this is something we take for granted, but in countries where where electricity is very expensive, this can be a this can be a cost saving element at the end of the month. If you multiply by twelve at the end of the year, you can have like you can save some. Europe is at war. Russia yeah. is yeah, exactly. cutting is yeah. cutting supply of energy. Well, energy has got much more expensive here. So one yeah. of the reasons one of the reasons why I have two workstations, one of them is the Mac Pro and the other one is the MacBook Pro, and I spent most of the day on the MacBook Pro, is that running the Mac Pro during the whole day is just a no no. I cannot be running three hundred watts an hour when the electricity is as expensive as it is right now. So, for example, things that I do right now is I switch off my Mac Pro as soon as I'm not using. I actually switch off my MacBook Pro as soon as I'm not using. I don't need them to be constantly sucking energy out of the mains yeah. the whole time. Yeah, the, the M1 Mac is super interesting. I personally don't see a reason for not getting one. If you were looking for a new computer and you face yourself between making the choice of Intel or M1 or M2, right? All right, we don't we don't want to take uh, that much from your from your time. We hope you enjoyed learning more about this exciting new technology and the impressive performance and efficiency of 
the M1 chips, what they do. The M1 Mac has certainly made a splash in the tech world and we can't wait to see how it will continue to evolve and shape the future of computing. If you have any questions or want to continue the discussion, uh, be sure to reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Mastodon at awscommunity.social slash at ref. And Felipe, you, what is your Mastodon post chat? Right? Yeah, I'm on postchat.io forward slash at Felipe Baez, F-E-L-I-P-E-B-A-E-Z. Right, cool. And thank you for tuning into TechSource and joining us for our discussion on the Apple M1 Mac. We appreciate your listening and look forward to bringing you more informative and interesting tech content in the future. Until then, stay tech savvy and goodbye. Goodbye.